One. 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 Two. 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 Three. 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 Four. 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 Five. 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 So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. Thank you, Your Highness. How bad can this get? This PGA season has brought some brutally difficult golf for the players on PGA Tour. And personally, I love seeing the pros go through what I often go through several times on just a front nine. And for me, nothing was better than Max Homa almost taking out a cameraman. Gator don't play no shit. You hear, you feel me? Gator never been about that. Never, never been about playing no shit. The point being, golf is hard. And PGA DFS is even more difficult, but I love golf. And this is the Players' Championship, and the cut line is going to bring you the best analysis out there. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, Australia. Hello, UK. Germany, the Netherlands, they are still hanging with us. And as always, a big que pasa to all our friends from Spain. Singapore, not this week. But the cut line continues to grow worldwide, and this son of a gun really appreciates the time and dedication all of our listeners give to this show. We're much appreciated. Give us our likes. Give us our five stars on iTunes. Please, please, please give us the likes. It helps us grow. It helps us get our name out there. Speaking of names, I'm Michael Cavalunis. Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? He's an asshole too, sir. Gunners made first class Philip asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Keep firing, assholes! At Lunas on Twitter, and the Players' Championship is here. There are so many options, and I love it. And to put the argument to rest, just because you have one of the highest payouts of any PGA tournament, it does not make you a fifth major. You bunch of losers! So I hope you guys understand my position on that. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Zach Manafort is not here. You're partied out again, man, again. Guys, send Zach your love as the 6K maestro, the ministry of the big bet, my time Manafort, and Mr. Karuna himself has transcended into permanent hangover purgatory. Needless to say, the sweet sounds of Zach Manafort will be absent for yet another week. Hopefully we get him back next week. Great analysis from Zach. But 
We're going to jump right in to the good, bad, and ugly plays of last week. And to be perfectly frank, the whole tournament was a tournament of bad for most of us. Let's be realistic. How bad was it for me? I had six lineups, six of six through, only one of them cashed. That's insane to me. Now, I'm not saying this has never happened in DFS. That's, that's just, it's never happened to me in DFS. So uh, it was new, it was interesting, it was fun, whatever the case may be. That 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 was just brutal to watch come Saturday and Sunday with six of six through. Anyways, the goods that we got, Roy McIlroy for sure, Bryson DeChambeau up in that top tier range. Um, in that 9K range, also highlighting Sunjay M. Our big misses, obviously. The bad, Jason Day. Ugh, brutal. Tony Fino, brutal. Henrik Stenson, brutal. RCB, brutal. Molinari dropping out with his back injury, brutal. Flat out ugly. Just about everything we showed out there. But those guys that won, some lineups had four of six winning. It was a strange week. Not too much uh, regret here. Would take the, uh, the same approach. Loved the process, just didn't get the results that we wanted. So, Cutline is here to bring you an in-depth analysis of the Players' Championship. And I'm going to do the best I can. Nice beaver. Thank you. To I make just sure had that you're catching big on Sunday. In addition, I'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside send traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. Yes, that is your back door. And the cut line's going to do what it does best to make sure that you have plenty of wieners. And winners. Big ones on Sunday, getting six of six players through the cut line. Cha-cha-cha. But you need leverage. I know on Wednesday night, before lineups lock, I'm going to be checking out fan share sports. And even though with my own personal ownership projections, I know that a second opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, fan share sports. So if you're not subscribed, it is a very easy fix. All you have to do, type in the word cut line in the discount code upon checking out and you'll receive 20% off your membership. Remember, ownership is a leverage not to be belittled, especially this week when you have such a loaded field. PJ Tour takes us to what is more than likely one of its favorites in most for the most casual golf fans, as this Pete Dye challenge brings out some of the best golfers in the world, and hopefully some relief for these golfers. Nah, 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 nah. This is the players, and it is going to challenge these PGA Tour golfers and the field includes past winners like Rory McIlroy, Webb Simpson, Siwoo Kim, Jason Day, and Mr. Puma himself, Ricky Fowler. But TP Sawgrass, TPC Sawgrass has claimed plenty of victims in just a single round and this weekend won't be any different. The course is filled with 88 bunkers and 17 water hazards which could be troublesome if any players are spraying off the tee, missing on approach, you know, who knows what's going on with that ball flight. So you need to target golfers who are strong off the tee, strong in approach. Basically, a strong all-around game is putting is not a metric that is incredibly important this week. Last year, Sawgrass ranked 24th hardest on tour. But that didn't prevent elite players like Sunjay Im from simply falling apart on a hole with an 8. So, the Par 72 Challenge 
of the world's best may may be accomplished by different means. Bombers will be limited thanks to the dog legs, waters, sand, and hazards. Short hitters will be challenged with long par fives and the challenge of maybe going for birdie on long par fours. This is a Pete Dye design. Every golfer will be shaping their approaches from different distances, from different shot shapes, angles of all different shapes and sizes. It's a tough course. It's challenging. My key stats for the week, very simple. Strokes gain off the tee. I think it's huge. I think strokes gain off the tee on Pete Dye specific courses is huge. Ball striking, fairways gain, birdie or better gain, fairway accuracy, DK scoring, your tee to green game. This course is going to challenge all facets of these tour players' games. I think it's important to highlight all of them as you guys make your picks this week. These two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this takes us to our birdie or better segment where we will look at the 11K range all the way down to the 7K range and pick out the best plays for this weekend's tournament. This is the Cut Line's first signature segment, birdie or better, one putt, two putt, three putt, our favorite plays. Simply said, we're going to start it off here in this 11 to 10K range, which includes Rory McIlroy, Johnny Rahm, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, and Dustin Johnson. Early, uh, early ownership indicates that Brooks Kepka is going to go at sub 5% at 3.2%, according to some sources. I think that number could get even lower unless people get contrarian. Brooks is in terrible form, though historically has, has played quite well on Pete Dye courses. Um, It'll be interesting to see what people do this week, looking at Brooks Kepka's course history, 2019-56, 2018-11th, 2017-16th, 2016-35th, and then a missed cut in 2015. Now, the question is, do you trust Brooks to put it together? Here's the argument for. Um, this is a huge purse. Brooks could show up just to win that coin, win that money, and, and, and the prestige of winning the players itself. He's never done it before. He talks about showing up at big tournaments. This is a big tournament by 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 PGA standards. Now, is his form that off? It looks terrible. I know he shot a big 71 on Sunday, which was so much better than the 81 on Saturday, but even Brooks himself said his game is not where he wants it to be. In fact, I think he said the word his game is shit. Take it for what it's worth. Brooks Kepka is most definitely a contrarian play up here, but um, not quite sure if you need a ton of them, especially if you're going MME. Going to touch on Rory McIlroy. He's going to be everyone's favorite. Um, I would argue that if he gets above 25%, which he has a great chance of doing, it would be a solid fade. And not to say that Rory can't win here. He can. He, he, he has the stats and ability to do so. But with the talent that's in this player pool, fading Rory, fading 27%, 30% of a mass multi-entry field with Rory McIlroy is an option. Now, where does he rank? He ranks first in my aggregate ranking, first in my FX ranking, first in my overall ranking. 12th, 17th in my putter ranking, first in my approach ranking, and first in my fairway ranking. It, it just says, hey, play me, play me, play me. Course history is elite. First place last year. 
first place. Miscut in 2018, so don't think it can't happen. Of course, top fives since the Genesis. Fifth place. Fifth place at the WGC Mexico. Fifth place last week at the API. Third place at the Farmers. I mean, it's top 10 city for the best golfer in the world at this point in time. Of course, uh, sustainability rank. We have Corey Rock. Uh, Fan, Fanshare Sports has him at 29th overall. Vegas currently 7-1 odds. I, I love Rory, but I could argue that you need to fade him based on ownership. Now, my favorite play in this range is Dustin Johnson. The putter is off. His recent form, bad. As bad as Brooks? Absolutely not. But he's going to come in at the lowest ownership because of that recent form. And simply because of the fact that people have been waiting for DJ to turn it around and he hasn't done so. Okay, but if you look at his history here at the players, 5th in 2019, 17th in 2018, 12th in 2017, 28th in 2016, and then we had some uh, top 50, top 60 finishes in 2015 and 2014. Recent history, uh, I'm sorry, recent form, he's averaged 30th place. And hasn't missed a cut yet in this calendar year. With a 32nd at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And a 10th at the Genesis. And of course a 48th at WGC Mexico. The last time we saw him on tour. Now at 10 k it is a steep price to pay. You are looking for a top 5 finish for Dustin Johnson. But he does rank 6th in my overall ranking. On top of that, 47th in my approach. But my favorite part, 11th on my fairways and greens ranking. The fairways basically is off the tee. He ranks 11th of these peat die courses according to my metrics. I love that aspect of DJ's game off the tee. Yes, it's not a bomber's course. I know that's somewhere where we want to take advantage of Dustin Johnson. But long story short, it's just a great spot for him, especially at, at, at repressed ownership. Now, in the last 50 rounds, he ranks second in ball striking, second in strokes gain off the tee, 24th in strokes gain approach, and second in DraftKings scoring. So, Dustin Johnson, 10K, absolutely one of my favorite plays. I did mention Johnny Rahm and Justin Thomas. We know their course history here. They are solid, great options. Anyone in this in this realm is going to be good. Johnny Rahm, Justin Thomas, probably closer to 10% ownership. Your lowest owned player in this 10K range, like mentioned before, is Brooks Kepka, and then you have Dustin Johnson. So let's move down to that 9K range, which again, because of the field, because of the tournament, we are looking at, again, just a loaded range of pricing from Cantlay all the way down to Tommy Fleetwood. Now, it's interesting to see where people will go. And, and I think Bryson DeChambeau is a great option. Webb Simpson is a great option. And so is Patrick Cantlay. But these three are going to be big time chalk this week. thing I love about them, though, is that they their games just suit this course because they're all strong off the tee and they're all strong in approach in the field so it's something that i like now in terms of historical averages webby has averaged a 25th place finish and has missed and has made cuts for DeChambeau averaged 29th cantley averaged 23rd they all have uh had top 30 finishes and top 20 finishes. DeChambeau obviously coming into his own in the last three tournaments with a fifth, a second, and a fourth. So DeChambeau's recent form is going to spike ownership. If his ownership spikes up any higher than 20%, that's going to be a solid fade for me. Now my favorite play in this range is Tommy Fleetwood at 9,000. 
<clears throat> Fleetwood projected at sub 15% ownership. His Vegas odds are currently 22 to 1. And he's got a course sus rank of 2. He's second best in the field. My other favorite thing, he averages on this course 89.67 DraftKings points. He's got an implied projection of 76.5. That's more than 10 points higher than his applied price. Okay. On Pete Dye courses, he's not that bad either, as he averages about 72 points. On the fairways and greens ranking, he ranks 13th overall, 39th in my birdie or better rankings. But the thing is, look at the recent history of the players. 5th in 2019, 7th in 2018, 41st in 2017. He did miss the the cut at the API, but I don't care. 3rd place at the Honda, 18th at the WGC Mexico. I'm going to call the API miscut an anomaly, and I'm going to have plenty of Tommy Fleetwood. Looking at Fleetwood's recent form, especially in the last 50 rounds, Fleetwood, 31st strokes gained tee to green, 25th in strokes game, short game, 28th off the tee, and 24th in DraftKings scoring in the last 50 rounds. Other players I want to mention in this range, Adam Scott. um, I think he's an option as well after being so brutal last week. And I think I will go to Cantlay. You know, I do have argument to fade him because he's going to be so popular. Like I mentioned with the Shambo. I, I just don't know if he's going to get there because I think a lot of people are going to be on Webb and DeChambeau, and I'll eat that Cantley chalk even if it's above 15%. But again, once they start getting to that 20 25% range, and check out Fanshare Sports on Wednesday. Yeah, we're going to plug that one. Um, He's an option based on ownership to fade or or just a guy that you need to be overweight on. Moving to that 8K range, and... I know a lot of people are going to say that this is a trap, like he's in bad form, but Ricky Fowler at 8,900, this is a guy who's won this tournament before, and we're looking at sub-8% ownership currently. He's got an aggregate rank of 24th. He's 30-1 to in win in Vegas. Overall rank, though, of 58. His form recently is subject to questioning. Now, off the tee, again, I question his ability there, but he did win in 2015, but that was when he was in great, great form. If you are going to play Ricky, you are doing it at a minimum, at a minimum, because you just don't know what Ricky's going to show up this week. But the fact that you're getting Ricky Fowler at sub 8% ownership, I think you absolutely need pieces of him. Hideki Matsuyama, again, is going to be chalk. He He's one of those chalk donkeys at 8,800 that he's going to be owned and people are going to gravitate for. We know that putting is not incredibly important here at this course in the uh, off the tee and approach game is and that's what Decky is really good at on my fairways and greens model he ranks 23rd on my approach model he ranks fourth of course in my birdie or better expected birdie or better he ranks sixth his average place at this tournament specifically 15th okay with only one miscut since 2014 and in his recent form he's averaged the 17th place finish with five of five made cuts Decky is rolling right now. Of course, with that fuego play comes the ownership. Do you want to eat it? Again, same rules apply for me here. If they're going to get into that 20% ownership, 25% ownership, it's potential of fade for me, and I'm going to be underweight or not going to have them at all. So keep an eye on that. Next guy is Justin Rose. 
Justin Rose for me is not someone that I have a lot of interest in, but he fits in that same category as Ricky Fowler. Okay, he is going to be at suppressed ownership because of his recent form. I don't like the fact that he keeps going back and forth to clubs, switching this out, switching that out. Um, he obviously dropped uh, Homa as a brand and is now going to go with Taylor Made. We'll see how it pans out. That's what I'm going to do with Rose here, a former number one player in the world. I'm just not going to be willing to buy, even with the course history here. He averages 24th place finish last year, 8th, the year before that, 23rd, 65th, 19th, missed cut, and then a 4th place finish. Of course, his recent form is terrible. Missed the cut at the Farmers, missed the cut at the Honda, missed the cut at the API. Uh, he did make the cut at the Genesis, but he finished in 56th place. So not something I'm going to lay my hat on. It feels uncomfortable at this point. I'd rather just play wait and see See here. So looking at Justin Rose in his last 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses, though, he is fourth off the tee, 48th in fairways gain, eighth in ball striking, second in birdies. Okay, I, I, I think that's incredibly important that Justin Rose is scoring. Now, you don't need a lot of Justin Rose to gain leverage to the field. So if you want to throw him in a three max, by all means, go ahead. But only throw him in one of those lineups. You don't need to overload on, on Justin Rose, especially when you're looking at his current form and when you're looking at his MME. Next guys I want to mention are Sungjae and Patrick Reed. I, I like Sungjae. I like Reed in this spot. I think I'm just going to go in a different direction and go price down to Jason Day. Jason Day obviously dropped last week due to injury. He could not participate this weekend based on those injuries. Who knows if they're even real, if he was just giving up because he was so far out of it last week. But the fact is he ranks fourth in my aggregate model, fifth in my overall model. In the course suitability rank, he ranks 10th overall. On Pete Dye courses, he dominates on, on, on just – on. In normal, he's got he average averages 80.92 DraftKings points on this course specifically 80.6, and I have him projected for 83.62, and he has an implied price projection of 71.4. Vegas has him at 55 to one odds, and I think that's in part because he just has not been the Jason Day of old. But I do want to mention 16th at the Farmers. Fourth at the AT&T Pebble Beach, okay? And then followed by two missed cuts. I'm okay with that, especially with a guy who's won this tournament in 2016, fifth in 2018, and eighth in 2019 in last year. If we get ownership at sub 2% because he has not withdrawn yet, I will take Jason Day. Last three guys that I think you should consider are Casey, Finau, and Usti. I think they are solid plays. Casey and Finau are always going to draw ownership, probably more than it's normally projected, but that's okay. These guys can play at this course and be solid options. We're finally going to get down to that 7K range, which includes Hendrik Stenson all the way down to Adam Hanwin, Victor Perez, and Bermuda Burns. Now, this is where a majority of your balanced lineup builds are going to be successful and fail. Going from... Shane Lowry to Kuchar to Neiman to Horschel to Hatton to English Will. You know, the, the names are endless here, and they're pretty well known. My favorites, though, Kuchar, Joaquin Neiman, Billy Horschel, Scotty Scheffler, and these are these top-range 7K guys that I have some interest in. Of course, I'm going to go back to Henrik Stenson as well. So Kuchar is the best one suited for this course. His short game, his accuracy just fits well here at, at, 
at TPC Sawgrass. He finished in third in 2016, 17th in 2018, and 26th last year. And at 7,800, I will take those finishes. Henrik Stenson, another guy similar, but missed cuts in two of the last four years, okay? Missed cut in 2016, missed cut last year, but then the 16th finish and a 23rd place finish make up the sandwich. He did come back on tour for his first time at the API, and he missed the cut. It was tough sledding. He almost did make it, but close only counts in hand, uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. Overall ranking 22nd, aggregate ranking 21st. Vegas has him at 50 to 1 odds. To put that in perspective, not too far down, Billy Walking uh, Neiman's at 100 to 1 odds. So you got Hendrick Stenson as an option. Kucher, 50 to 1 odds. But I do want to talk a little bit about Neiman. My aggregate model ranks 32nd. Overall model ranks 33rd. But on Pete Dye courses specifically, he ranks 18th overall. So he's never played here, and he's coming off three straight cups. And this is a guy who I believe has elite talent. He He's going to win someday on PGA Tour. It could be today. Another guy looking at sub 5% ownership. Now, all these guys that I mentioned with these low, low, low ownerships, if you want to get crazy and roster them all and put them all in the same lineup and go guns a-blazing for the most unique lineup, by all means, do it. But the fact that you're already putting Neiman in a lineup makes your roster unique because he's so low-owned, currently projected at less than 3%. Next guy I want to talk about is Scotty Scheffler, and he kind of rounds out this upper 7K range. He is going to be more popular. Um, very limited options on Pete Dye courses, but the few times, I think it's once or twice I have him for tournament um counts he scored 110.25 points and i currently have him projected for 93.58 highest on the slate now will it come to fruition i'm not sure but when you look at his recent form the guy is playing well 30th 26th and 15th at the api he's got an average finishing position of his made cuts at 20th what is holding people back from buying scotty scheffler real simple no course history so Scotty Scheffler is most definitely in play. Going down to the low 7K range, this is where I'm looking at four guys, five guys specifically. And unfortunately, four of the five of them kind of end up in that same range. And that's Snedeker, Moore, Berger, and Answer. They, they all just kind of sit there. But what I like about them is all four of them are strong off the tee in Pete Dye courses. And we're going to go down to Adam Handwood at the bare minimum 7K in this 7K range. Now, course suitability rank, he ranks 8th overall, 19% to get a top 10, 58th in my aggregate rank, but 45th in my overall rank. But the reason I like Hadwin most is that in the there's the intangible factor. He ranks 14th in birdies or better, the expected birdie or better. And his course history is subject uh, suspect at best with 39th in 2016, 30th in 2017, and 57th in 2018, uh, bookend by two missed cuts. Did have a 40th place finish at the Waste Management, missed the cut at the AT&T Pro-Am, and then 26th at the Genesis. Hadwin's at 7K. I don't highly recommend this play, but I think it's an option. Um, Molinari potentially coming back from his back injury is a play. I'm not quite sure if he is coming back. We're, we're waiting to hear on that. But the fact that he took the week off to get healthy is some promising signs, especially with a guy who's been struggling with his game lately. So going back to the to the other guys that I mentioned, this low 7K range, Abram answer on this course specifically, 96.5 DraftKings points. 
The point being, though, is that he only had a 12th face finish last year, but has not missed a cut this season. He's 4-4 with an average finishing position at 24th. The other three, Snedeker, Ryan Moore, Daniel Berger, again, kind of same situation, um, except with Sneds missing two of four cuts, but every time he's made the cut, he's had some awesome finishing positions with a 22nd, a 3rd, and a 12th. And that it's just he's averaging a 12th place. I'll take that recent form, and I'll take that risk. Daniel Berger, same kind of thing. Five of five straight made cuts with an average finishing position of 17th. Course history, though, here is suspect at best with the miscut. Then uh, three finishes above 50, except with 2016. He had a top 10 finish at ninth place. He's a GPP play only. I don't highly trust it, but he is coming in highly owned. So obviously a lot of people like him. So it could be potential to fade up to like guys like Ryan Moore, Snedeker, or Answer, or even pay down for Wolf, who, who technically gets some ownership as well. So well, that'll do it for our Birdie or Better segment. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, 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 hell no. Can't do it. This is the Cutline's signature segment. You can only find it here. The only show that tells you who not to play on guys who are 10% higher projected in terms of ownership, can't do it, won't do it. I got five of them for you here, boys. Five can't do it, five can't plays, five players who are projected to be higher than 10% owned and guys that you need to fade, all right? The first one is going to be Gary Woodland at 8,300. Why? He does not have the history here at Pete Dye Courses. In fact, his course suitability rank on Fanshare Sports is only 102. People are going to get fooled in their models. They're going to see him rank in the top 50, and I get that. He does have intangibles that do seem to fit on this course. Like, for example, he ranks 19th in my fairways gain model. Fact is, he has an average averaging finishing position here at the players of 36th with two missed cuts. I don't think Gary Woodland is worth $8,300. I get the risk. If you want to bet him outright to win and get some exposure that way, go ahead and do it. Recent form does look good for Gary Woodland, but he's a can't do it. He's a can't play. Just not good enough on Pete Dye courses. Second one here, Benny Ahn. And this is not because he burned everyone last week. It's simply because he's another one of those players that is streaky. I don't want a piece of Benny Ahn in that streak. He looked okay at the API until he ran into the juggernaut called the wind. Needless to say, he won't have that issue here. Course history is favorable for Benny on. He missed the cut in 2016, didn't play the year after, but then a top 30 finish in both subsequent years in 2018 and 2019. The other reason I don't like Benny on in this spot, historically, not that great off the tee, Ranks 59th in my fairways and greens model in the last 100 rounds. So, Benny Ahn is an option that I think is going to be popular. He's a name that always garners attention. But when you look at the strokes gain in the last 50 rounds, especially on Pete Dye courses, off the tee, he ranks 18th. That's pretty good. But fairways gained, 69th in the field. Not good enough for me. I want scores here. Um, short game. Really struggles with the short game and his DraftKings points in the last 50 rounds. Ranked 62nd 
overall. Continuing on with can't do it. Next guy I want to mention is X, Xander Shoffley. Now, Xander is ranks 118th in my expected birdie or better gained. Missed the cut last year at the players, but did finish in second in 2018. I think because of that, he's going to be very, very, very popular. Now, on Pete Dye courses, Average is about 52.98, but on this course specifically, 70.5. I do have them projected for 78.26. Ownership is about 15%, so you could get some leverage there. In addition, Vegas tends to love him, and I bet you that number will creep up just a little bit at 25 to 1. But he doesn't fit the course necessarily. He's 29th in my overall ranking. Obviously struggles with the putter here in Bermuda. He's middle of the field. But in just about everything, he's middle of the field. Now, he does do well off the tee here. And that is a stat that I'm I'm looking for. But are we looking at peaking Xander? Or are we looking at someone who's just going to run in this juggernaut? 16th at the Waste Management. 23rd at the Genesis. 14th at the WGC. And then 24th at the API. So nothing really to write home about. Especially for a guy who's $9,400. Last guy I want to talk about, Terrell Hatton, our winner from last week. He just doesn't fit this course. It's not something that, it's not objecting the fact that he won last week. It's just someone I don't want any piece of. Can't do it. So, my uh, do want to mention Shane Lowry. I'm not quite sure he gets to 10%, but he is someone I'm going to mention because he is in the guy who just does not fit the course at all. He's not had the success that you want here. And he's always a name that might garner some attention. But those are my five. Can't do it. Xander Shoffley, Gary Woodland, Shane Lowry, Benny Ahn, and Tyrell Hatton. Can't do it. (laughs) Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this takes us to our MG and Monsters and Guarantee, where I tell you the players in the 6K range who are our monsters, guys that I think are going to finish in the top 25, top 30, to our guarantees, 6K range guys that I guarantee will make the cut. There are a decent amount of golfers in this 6K range, and you really just kind of have to pick through and pick the best ones. So starting off, looking at the top to the bottom, and basically kind of looking at the metrics that I value most for this player's tournament, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, God, no, please don't say it. But Keegan Bradley really fits the mold. Argument, though, for not playing Keegan, if he doesn't top 10, top 15, top 20, he's just going to burn you with like a 50th, 60th place finish after leading after round one. So he does have that annoying aspect about him. But when you look at his recent form, it's been questionable at bet. So it might suppress some ownership on Keegan Bradley. Now, he did finish here at the players, 7th in 2018, 16th in 2019. So there's a lot of recent success to be happy about with Keegan Bradley at 6,900. And it saves you plenty of money. Overall rank, 9th, okay? 
again, you are going to deal with the Keegan-Bradley issues. I, I would argue at times that it's not even worth rostering Keegan-Bradley because you know what you're going to get. But still, he could surprise you. So it's something to consider as you guys build your lineups come uh, come Wednesday night. Now looking at the last 50 rounds, he's 22nd in DraftKings scoring, 18th in approach, 80th off the tee. That's just the biggest concern here with Keegan Bradley. Is he going to be able to find the fairway? Remember, he is going to club down. So going now to my two monsters that I want to mention. And the first one is Siwoo Kim. Siwoo is going to be popular here, but he is a volatile player. Like there's no doubt in my mind that he could win this tournament. Why? Because he's won the tournament before in 2017. He has not missed the cut here since 2014. And he has two top 25 finishes, which is what we are looking for, for our, for our monsters. Now, Reasons of optimism for suppressed ownership, the fact that he hasn't made a cut since the American Express. So, the, the I'm sorry, since the Genesis. Now, these are just, other than that, he missed the cut at the API, missed the cut at the Honda, missed the cut at the AT&T Pebble, missed the cut at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. When you look at certain intangibles, the thing that helps him most is going off the fairways and greens. But in the last eight rounds, he's really struggled with that as he middle of the field. So hopefully you found that driver. If he has, expect him to get that top 25. So looking at other guys in this 6K range, I'm going to go to 6,400 JT Poston. Okay, JT Poston, in terms of course suitability, ranks 35th on Fanshare Sports. In my overall ranking, though, he ranks 84th. Okay, because of that high ranking, other people are going to look at JT Poston and say, no, thank you. I want no pieces of him. But the fact is, he finished in 22nd in his first appearance at the Players last year, and his recent form is great. Okay, he has one missed cut in his last five tournaments with a 37th at the American Express. 37th at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, 30th at the Genesis, and 30th at the Honda. For 6400 bucks for a guy who can birdie, if he, if, if he gets stuck in the 30s at the players, I'll take it. I'll take them in cash, whatever you want. But I want the options here to win these GPPs. A very, very, very interesting choice here now down in the 6K range is Johnny Vegas. I think the name lends itself to popularity. Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't want to play Johnny Vegas? But he's strong off the tee. And his course history here is very good as he has four or five made cuts. So Johnny Vegas is another option. But some uh, guarantees to make the cut. Nate Lashley, Brian Harmon. Um, Joel Dahman is a guy who tends to dominate this course specifically, but not Pete Dye courses. So he might be someone in the 6K range that's going to get a lot of love. And if he does gain that popularity and still continues to grow steam to where a 6K player is above 10% owned, above 8% owned, I would say, in this tournament, absolute fade for me and Joel Dahman if he's that highly owned. It's just not worth it. I'd rather pay up for Furyk, pay up for uh, Grio, even though he's just going to keep burning people. But Griot's another guy who has had some success in this 6K range on these Pete Dye courses. So, especially these Pete Dye style courses. Looking at that, Bud Cawley ranks pretty well here. Not at this course, but on Pete Dye. If you're looking at this course specifically, your top five 6K guys. 
are going to be Roy Sabatini, Joel Dahman, Siwoo, JT Poston. Mackenzie Hughes kind of fits that mold here as well, but has not had overall long-term success on Pete Dye courses. So, Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. Well, that'll do it. That's a wrap. The cut line is over. It's all over. Hope you guys get plenty of winners this week, especially at the Players' Championship and the Valspar Championship at the beautiful Copperhead Course in Palm Harbor, Florida is next week. Hopefully, Zach is back. I want to thank Fanshare Sports for all of their contributions to this show. Made it excellent as usual want to thank you, the listener. Thank you for spending time with me. Much appreciated. Give us those likes. It helps us get a long way in providing you guys with this content. And the more likes we get, guys, the more giveaways we got. We got these awesome cut line towels, golf balls, apparel. We're trying to go with, with subscriptions to Fanshare Sports. We're doing it, but we need the likes. We need the love. Once we get those things rolling, we're going to start doing our giveaways again. I'm Mike Cavalunas. Thank you guys for joining me. Go out on that Sunday. Get those winners six of six through the cut line. Peace.